Well, we resume our trek with the Israelites uh, out of Egypt. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Exodus. Exodus, we're going to be in chapter 13. As we turn there, I just want to um, have a quick uh, announcement. That is that there are a bunch of poinsettias around the church that need to go home with people today. Uh, because if they don't go home today, next week we'll walk in and it'll be like Lazarus' sister said when he was in the tomb. If he comes out, it's, he's going to stinketh. And uh, if we come in next week and those aren't gone, it may stinketh in here. So please take those home and enjoy them. Maybe give them to somebody that you know would, would love a, a little bit of encouragement. And uh, we'll take a little bit of that holiday uh, decoration that's meant to point to Jesus out and to enjoy it out uh, um, at our house or somewhere else. Thanks for doing that. Um, so we come to Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to hit the end of this chapter, kind of fast forward a little bit. God at this point has been working on and working on uh, bringing his people out of Egypt. They've been in slavery um, and Pharaoh's like, I'm not letting them go. So he has sent plague after plague after plague in order to um, show his triumph over Pharaoh and to bring him out by his power. And so there have been 10 plagues. The very last plague, the plague of the firstborn, God went in with a destroying angel and killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, whether people or animals, it didn't matter. If it was a firstborn, they were dead, except for those who had been covered by the blood of a lamb, a Passover lamb. And as the angel came in to destroy, it would see the blood, it would pass over, those people would be shielded and protected. And those were the people of God, the people of Israel. And so there they are preserved. Pharaoh and everybody else having a firstborn dead. There's a cry out over all the land. And Pharaoh brings in Moses and Aaron says, get out of here. You can all go take everything with you. Just get out of here. He's had enough. He is submitting to God at this moment. And he says, y'all have to get out of here. So Israel packs up their things. And I don't know. They had a lot to take with them, except that according to the prophecy, they went and asked all their Egyptian neighbors for their fine silver and gold and clothing. And so they had those things to pack up and they're getting out of town and they're going fast. And so God talks about, hey, you're going to observe this feast of unleavened bread. You didn't even have time for your bread to rise. And so for your generations, you're going to take a whole week with the feast of unleavened bread and celebrate the fact that we got out of Egypt quickly. Part of that festival would have been also the Passover. Of course, all those things pointing to Jesus. So that's where we're at. Uh, He talks a little bit more about those things in chapter 13. So if you want to see a little bit more in depth on Passover, the firstborn, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you can look at the earlier part of chapter 13. But we're going to go to verse 17 at this point. Um, This is describing how God is now going to bring his people out. And uh, we're going to take a closer look at that just as far as their transition to getting out of Egypt. But but before we hit the scripture, I I just want to... um, ask you because i'm pretty sure we all have this have you ever come to one of those moments in your life when you've said i need god to lead me i've hit a moment where i don't know what's going to happen i'm I'm about to step into an unknown area and so i i don't know what's out there but i know god does and so i'm going to ask god to lead me and there's been moments in that leading where you've said okay god lead me and you strike out with all that fervor i'm getting out of i'm getting out of uh egypt I'm going on. And as you get out there, suddenly you're like, why did God lead me here? This this is a really hard place. And so we're going to deal with that a little bit, because I think we've all had that moment where we say, God, I need you to lead me. And um, sometimes it goes and and it's a little bit smooth sailing. But a lot of times 
it actually can be a very difficult season that we head into. And I think this will address that a little bit. So let's look at Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. So Pharaoh says, get out of here. And this passage says that instead of taking the easy route, you know, they say the, the, the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. And there was a straighter line up to the promised land. But the scripture says God didn't take them the short way. He took them the long way. He took them, it says, out to the wilderness. He took them toward the Red Sea, which looked like a dead end. Why would God have done that? It says that God took them that direction because had they gone up the short way, that would have been a bad way. Why? One, it says that there would have been war there. That was a major trade route. That's where all the goods went back and forth. And because it was a major trade route, there was a lot of, just like on the borders of, of different countries now, there's border patrol. There were armies that, that, that acted on that trade route. And so if you have the Israelites coming up and you have Egyptian armies still up there or other armies, they may be sitting ducks. They're not, they, even though they have things and preparation for war, they're not a battle-tested people. So they would have been going up there in maybe a, a really hard, difficult situation. But once they get to that situation, the fear of God was said uh, what his concern was, was that when they get to that place where they might there might be war, they might say, instead of being here, we'd rather go back to Egypt. All that time spent the rescuing them and bringing them out of a place that was really detrimental. They would have gotten out of there, gone to a really hard war situation and said, now we want to go back. It would have stumped their progress. Instead, he took them into the wilderness. It was a, a roundabout way, the scenic way. It was a way where there were no stores out there. There wasn't a trade route. There were shepherds. There was desert. There was a big sea in the way. And yet that's the direction God took them because he had a plan. He knew, just like when we ask him, Lord, would you lead me? He knows how to direct our paths. That's why in the Proverbs we read, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And so as we get out on those roads, God takes us in those ways. And sometimes we'll go on that meandering road that God's taken us on. We wonder, why do you have me in this seemingly more difficult situation? Why do you have me going in a direction that doesn't look like it's headed to the promised land? Why have you brought me here? And the concern is this. That when we get into those situations that we might look back. And say what we had back there was better. I suddenly don't trust where God's taken me. But I look back and I think it's better. The Bible actually warns on this in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is Solomon writing. He's writing the wisdom that God's given to him in chapter 7 verse 10. Solomon says, say not. Why were the former days better than these? For it's not from wisdom that you ask this. Solomon said, don't look back to the old days and say, why was it better back then? He says, if if you're going to act according to wisdom, don't look back and think that they were better and that you wish you were there. God has you in this place and you're moving forward. And to look back that way, he says, is not wise. 
The reason is because we often look back at those things and call them golden years, even though we forget how tough it was back in that place, don't we? We forget. Nowadays, sometimes those are encapsulated in uh, slogans and products and different things. Um, You know, recently, even in a presidential uh, candidate's Their slogan was, make America great again. And the reason that was so effective was it was calling upon people to say, look back at the days when they were good, right? You remember, it's the golden years. And so you would look back and you realize where I'm at and I'm dissatisfied with this. I'd rather go back to what we had. And and we do things with other products too, just simple products like um, Coca-Cola. They had a good thing going, didn't they? They have this uh, soda empire. Uh, a lot of us like it. A lot of us purchase it. And, and so Coca-Cola said, we're going to spin this into something new. And they came out with a new Coca-Cola. People didn't like the new Coca-Cola. So what they have to do, they came out with another one that was called Coca-Cola Classic. It was hearkening us back to the better. We want to get back to what we like better. Um, our kids for Christmas, a couple of them, they got um, phones. Not the new phones with the iPhones where you're disconnected and uh, even though you think you're connected. Uh, but it's, it's the old phones where you have to plug it into the wall, um, a home phone. And, and actually one of them uh, very much looks like a retro phone. Everybody talks about retro and vintage, right? And it's a, it's a retro looking phone where it looks like you can do a rotary dial thing. And everybody, I mean, I look at that phone, I'm like, oh, that's vintage. Remember the good old days? I remember the days when I used to have to twirl that thing around. Those were the good old days. No, they weren't. I could talk to my phone now and say, call Ronald Wood. Boop, it calls Ronald Wood. Not the good old days. But it's, it's calling us back to something else. And so God's concern, a lot of times when he brings us into a situation that's even tough, maybe he's taking us to a hard wilderness situation. His concern is when we get there, if we don't follow his leading, we'll look back and say, I wish I was back in that place. That place often takes us back to slavery. It often takes us back to sin and a place where we didn't trust him or maybe we weren't as close with him. So even Solomon says, look out for looking for what seems like the better way. Walk in God's path. Well, how can we know? Even if even if God says, I'm going to take you not the short route, I'm going to take you the long route. Well, when we keep reading this passage, we recognize that there's a couple things that are important when we're following God's leading that we need to take heed of. First is this. When we're following God's leading, remember God's promises. When we're following God's leading, remember God's promises. Remember his faithfulness. He's always been faithful. He's, he's 100% good on his promises. And so way back in Genesis chapter 15, he had told Abraham when he was making the promises to him, I will grow you into a great nation, but they will become oppressed by another country and they will be there for 400 years. But then I will come and I will rescue them and I will bring them back to this land. Well, what's great about that is Joseph later on as he comes to Egypt. And all of his family comes and gathers around and and they actually have it pretty good. He's risen up to a, a high command post in the land, second in charge. All of his family there, they're being fed, they're being cared for, they're given land and things are going good. But here's what Joseph says at the end of the book of Genesis, just before he dies. Listen to what Joseph says. This is Genesis chapter 15, verse 24 it says, and Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but. 
God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. And so Joseph died. Joseph, before he died, remembered the promise of God saying, I will come and bring you out of this land and bring you back to the promised land. So when Joseph was dying, he said, look, God made a promise. He's going to come visit us in Egypt and he's going to bring our people back to the promised land. So when that time comes, even though I'm dead, don't leave my bones here. He says, I want to go with the people. Don't leave my bones in Egypt. And it says in Genesis 50 that they he died and they put him into a coffin. And there he laid for all that time while Israel was in Egypt. Well, look what happens in Exodus. According to that promise, I love the way that Joseph was looking forward. It says in verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Joseph remembered the promise of God, looked forward and said, take my bones with you. Moses, as he's leaving, carries the bones of Joseph with them on their journey. And I think that's significant, not because just Joseph wanted to be in a different place. Can you imagine taking this coffin, taking this, this, um, this beloved patriarch, his bones with you? And you remember as you look who had faith that they trusted that God was going to save you. You're literally carrying the bones of one who came before you saying, look at God, look at God. He is going to visit us and he is going to rescue us. And you're the one now carrying his bones. It is it is a loved one who, though they are dead, you have their remains and their remains are saying, trust God. He promised this would happen. So even though you're going the long route, you're being reminded as you go along that God made a promise and I can trust him. We can trust God and his promises. But likewise, one of the things with God's leading is this. As God leads, we can trust in his promise, but we can also trust that he will not abandon us. You know that when you ask for God to lead you. And then you embark on whatever path it is that he's set you out on, that as you walk that path and even the short route it might be the long route when he takes you the long route and into the wilderness he says i'm not sending you out there alone i am going with you i'm not sending you into difficulty just so that you can see that i'm not with you god says i will be with you in the middle of that wilderness i'm bringing you out here so that we can actually get connected so that we can draw closer to one another you can see me for who i really am come get to know me And so here we see that that's what happens with Israel. It says in verse 20, and they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And so God, in order to show his presence among the people and to lead them in a very direct way, by day they have a cloud that they follow, and at night within the cloud is a fire that lights that thing up and leads them 
But it's not as if it's just leading. What God is saying, and it always is represented as in the Old Testament, is this opportunity to see God in the cloud and in the fire. That you would see his glory, not just, not just out yonder, but it was with them. He was revealing his presence as he led them. Later on, it's this cloud that comes and descends upon the tabernacle and, and comes within the most holy place wherein there would be the bread of the presence, that God would be present among the people. You know, nowadays, how many of you, when you've asked for God's leading, have walked out your door and you saw a cloud or a fire going in front of you? Only if your engine blows up, maybe. And that's not what any of us want. God has done something more magnificent in that when he said to believers after Christ resurrected from the dead and on the day of Pentecost was when you know my presence, when you are my people, I will constantly dwell with you, not by a cloud and not by a fire. I will live in you. Here's my Holy Spirit. And so God has placed his Holy Spirit in us, not only to lead us, but also to remind us in the midst of that, that his presence is with us. He's not going to leave us. Many of us have heard that great poem called Footprints. Now, I can't quote it verbatim. But there are the footprints walking across the beach. And there comes points where on the beach, there's not two sets of footprints where the person is walking with God. There's just one. And so the person tells back to God, God, in all those hard and difficult moments. When I look back in my life and it was difficult, why is there only one set of footprints? Why did you leave me? And God says to the person, those moments when you see one set of footprints wasn't me leaving you. It was me carrying you. What an essence of God and his presence that he he wants to be with us, that he scoops us up and he, he might take us into the wilderness and the hard places. He's not going to abandon us. He makes a promise. And he identifies and, and guarantees his presence and his rescue by his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The world can make promises and have slogans and try to come out with different kinds of soda pop. And that may bring happiness and joy. While you drink that soda. Or during that administration. Or while you're on that retro telephone. But God's intention is that he will never leave you or forsake you. That is his promise. That is his promise. And I love that God doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to give you the difficult past. God said, in order to make this something that is not just temporary, but forever, I am going to go down there and I'm going to rescue them. And so when Jesus came to earth. We know even through the Christmas story, he did not take the short path, did he? Instead of being born to a rich family, he was born to a poor mom and dad. Instead of being born in their hometown, he was born in a faraway place in Bethlehem, out back of a house in a cave, something we call a stable, with the sheep and the goats and put into their feeding trough. After that, he had a king who wanted to kill him. He became a Middle Eastern refugee in Africa. After that, he came back to his homeland, but because of fear for the guy who was in charge now, they went and went back to Nazareth. He grew up in a small town where he was a commoner. He grew up learning carpentry. He probably hit his thumb several times with that hammer because he didn't take the short road. He took the hard road, the necessary road. And John says in John chapter 1 that the word became flesh and he lived among us. What he was saying was, I'm not going the short road. I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you in your hardship and I'm going to go accomplish for you what you cannot accomplish for yourself. 
And so I love these moments when we get to peer into Jesus and that struggle. It really was a struggle saving us. It wasn't easy. And I love this passage that comes out of John chapter 12. Jesus knows he's going to the cross. Jesus knows he's going to be betrayed. Jesus knows that he's going to die at the hands of sinners, but for sinners. Because that's what God had promised. God had promised that he would send his son, the Passover lamb, to die for people. They might rescue them. But Jesus says here, not trying to avoid the short road, get out of it. He says in verse 27 of <coughs> excuse me, John chapter 12. Now my soul is troubled. Now, what would we normally pray? When our soul is troubled, I'll tell you what Jason Hudson loves to pray. Lord, make it easy. Take me the short road. Make this something that's not going to hurt. Make it so that I don't have to be in a wilderness. Make it so that I'm not lonely. Make it so that people like me. Make it so that the message is easy. Make it, God, the short road. Because my heart's troubled. Make it soft and cuddly. Make it easy. Because my soul's troubled. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He says, just because it's hard, should I give up on what God's plan was? No, he goes on and says, but for this purpose, I have come for this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. I love that the greatest example we have of not taking the short road and trusting God in the path that sometimes leads us to the difficult wilderness road is Jesus himself who said, now my soul is troubled. Well, what am I going to do? Say, Father, save me from this hour? No. In fact, I came for this hour. I came to glorify my Father in this hour. And Jesus goes to the cross. And, and he said there, he, he went there because he was about to, to cast out the ruler of this world. Judgment was going to come. And as he's lifted up, as a result of this really wicked, awful place of loneliness and being forsaken and crushed by his father up on a cross. What did it say about that? That as the son of man is lifted up, that by that cross, he would draw all men to himself. God's promise is this, is that his whole work is to bring us to him. His promise wasn't to make life easy for you. His promise wasn't to make everything cozy for me. His promise wasn't to just say, I'm going to get you back to the good old days, because actually those days weren't so good. Remember when you had retro phones? Many of you have told me how hard it was working in those tobacco fields. It was hard. Many of you have told me how difficult that family situation was. Your mom or your dad, or maybe they weren't there at all. But Jesus came to rescue us, not to give us the past, 
but to direct our future and that that future might be to bring us to himself. That was the point. And so Jesus didn't go the short road. He went the long road. When we pray the prayer, God, would you lead me? Get ready for a difficult path. But if it's God leading you, we have what Proverbs said. Trust not in our own understanding. He says in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. At the end of the day, that path is to Jesus. And at the end of the day, if we ever kind of look forward to that path and we see Jesus and we go, oh, man. Being disappointed. And coming together with God. That's the whole point. Is to be with him. And so I want to encourage you because some of you are in that wilderness right now. Some of you are in a really hard place where you prayed for God's leading. And now you're in a situation that's really, really difficult. And you said, God, I, I thought you were going to make it the easy route. And God said, no, we're going the hard route. But you can know this. That I am faithful. That I will be with you. And that at the end of the day, you will be with me. Forever. That's what Jesus did by the cross was to get rid of your sin. And the reality is a lot of times when we want to go back, where we want to go back to is our sin. We want to go back to our doubts. We want to go back to being in a place that really is slavery and bondage. And God doesn't want that. And Galatians says it's for freedom that Christ set you free. So live freely. Now, it might be in a wilderness. But boy, I'd rather be somebody in the wilderness saying, I have a God who loves me. and He's with me. Than a guy on the short road saying. It's cozy, but man, I am empty. I'd rather be with God. This morning, if you find yourself saying I need to be led and maybe it's into this next year. Maybe you're looking at 2019. And you say, I want to go back to 1970. Look, we're, we're facing 2019, whether you like it or not. But as you head into that year, maybe at this moment, you just need to say, Lord, would you lead me? Would you remind me of your promises? And we don't have the bones of Joseph, but we have the words that said that he trusted them. And all those who trust them, God's never failed them. And you can look back in your past and God's never failed you. So pick up some of those things that he's done for you and thank him for those and carry those with you in the future and say, I can trust God's promises. And then remember this. As the Lord continues to work in your soul, that's his Holy Spirit. As his word burns within you, that's his presence. Reminding you that he's not going to abandon you. So come this morning and ask for the Lord's leading. Come and remember his promises. Come and know that he's with you. And come and know that he knows what's best for you in that road ahead. As we close today with a song. I just want to also close this time in word of prayer. And if the Lord would have you to come forward and maybe just say, Lord, I'm giving you this path. I'm giving you the next year. I'm giving you this situation. Lord, I find myself in a wilderness. It may be any one of those things. But to come and submit those things to Jesus is where walking that path begins. Let's pray. Father, we pray as your word penetrates us and, and tells us what you did for the people of Israel, that you have also said these are promises that you extend to us through Jesus Christ, that he did go to the cross in order to save us from our sins, so that we wouldn't stay 
in bondage and slavery and sin and death, but that we would be extracted from those things and given life and hope. And so even though the paths of life, the ones that you take us on might be difficult, but we know that you're taking us there for a reason. We might not understand, but Lord, we acknowledge you first. We pray that we would seek your kingdom first. And then all these things will be given unto us. So Lord, help us to trust you in Jesus' name.